Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-game. This episode of the A-Game Podcast is once again brought to you in part by Nationwide Business Capital Group. Nationwide Business Capital Group will fund all of your real estate deals. They will work with you on the creative side. If you have down payment issues, if you have credit issues, if you don't have experience, if you need to find a way to get crafty and have a lender that's actually on your side, Nationwide Business Capital Group and Marianne will take great care of you. Go to www.nicknicknick.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S. They will be able to take care of you. Once you go on the, that site, you'll affiliates, click here to get my real estate deals funded. Jump on there, fill out the page, and Marianne will be in contact with you. Get, give her the information, and, uh, and she'll get you going. So even if you want to go on that site, www.nicknicknick.com, and look at some of the things we can do to work together, maybe there's some properties that you want to buy, and she can help you with the financing on that. If you're a wholesaler and you have buyers that need fix and flip loans, rental loans, bridge loans for your commercial stuff, uh, commercial lending, uh, hard money loans, private money loans, all kinds of different things. Nationwide Business Capital Group has a bigger array and a lot of relationships with a lot of creative leaders, and they will give you competitive rates and terms on everything and shoot you straight. So nicknicknick.com slash links, click on get your deals funded. And while you're on that website, nicknicknick.com slash links, click on get discounted CBD and get some CBD products from Naked Warrior Recovery. It is a Navy SEAL owned company owned by William Branham. They have joint stuff right now to help you with, uh, with joints, with inflammation, the CBD drops, the CBD gummies. They have energy drinks. They have uh, t-shirts. They have clothes. They have uh, topical creams now that I'm going to pick up and start rubbing on my neck. Uh, but the inflammation has gone down completely. I use the drops every night. I use the gummies every day. They do not get you high. It takes all of the good effects of what marijuana would do without the THC that would get you higher intoxicated. It's completely illegal and it will help you. It is a miracle drug as far as I'm concerned. It has been amazing for my body. And I think if you guys take that for 30 to 60 days, every day daily, all those little aches and pains you have will go away and you will forget you even had them. On that site, if you go on there and you put in code name A-Game, you will get the promo code to get 20% off all products from Naked Warrior Recovery. So we're going to jump into this episode. We're going to start to talk about Subject two and creative financing deals. So I just finished the podcast with Pace Morby, who's the creative financing king. So he's doing a lot of stuff that were popular when I first started investing. Creative financing deals were a big deal because, again, when the market is down, it means people are not getting loans. And I want everybody to understand that the two biggest things that drive what a market is going to be doing on the real estate side is fear and fundability. When people are scared, fundability starts to dry up. So when people watch the media, which I do not watch the news, I cannot stand the news. CNN stands for constant negative news. Don't watch it. There's nothing good that can come of it. It affects me so much now. If it pops on and I hear it, it's like poison to my mind. I just, I won't, I won't do it. I'll, I'll, I will not watch the news. But when you're looking at the news and you hear real estate's good, real estate's bad, the economy's good, the econ there's always agendas. There's always things that are pushing that. And I remember hearing 
when the market went down last time, hey, run away from real estate, real estate's terrible, real estate's terrible, real estate's terrible. Okay, everywhere, that's a blanket statement. Some of the properties I bought when the market was at its worst, according to the news, were some of the best properties that I own. They're cash, they have equity. Buying in a down market when people are not getting loans, maybe it's not good for some strategies, but like we've mentioned multiple times, as long as you and you buy right, and you make your money on the buy, and you're honest about what you're going to do with it, it's a great time to invest in real estate. So it just means it's a bad time for a specific strategy. It means you have to switch it up. So again, so when people are, are scared, then lenders start to get scared. Then people stop spending money. Lenders, uh, private money lenders start pulling things out. Maybe the stock market starts to get crazy. Now it's affecting Wall Street money. Now it's affecting private money lenders. Now they're not pulling money out of their retirement. So their retirement down and it trickles down like a domino effect. So when funding and lenders are tightening up, that usually means that they're getting a lot more strict with their criteria. Because understand that a lender doesn't want to lend you money. A lender has to lend you money. That's their business. It's like a restaurant refusing to serve people any food. They can't serve them. They have to serve them food because if they stop, the restaurant's literally going to go out of business. So lenders have to lend you money. It's just a matter of how scared are they? So when things are great and everybody's making money and nobody's really worried and they're feeling good and they're feeling confident in the market, they'll make it easier to give you that money. So that's where you see things like you see now with no experience necessary, state of the loans, uh, all kinds of different things like that. Very low interest rates is always a great thing. But as they start to get scared, now they're going to say, okay, well, we have to be a little bit more careful. So we're going to tighten up our lending criteria. So now We'll give you a loan, but you have to have this amount of credit. You have to have this amount of reserves. You have to have these documents that maybe we didn't require before. We're going to be a lot more critical and a lot more strict in our underwriting of who we will lend money to, how much we'll lend, and what we'll charge. So maybe we won't give you 80 or 90%. We'll give you 50 or 60%, and we'll charge you a little bit more for it, and we'll make it a little bit harder to get. So again, the risk tolerance starts to go down as the fear starts to go up. So people still need a place to live. So what do they do? Investors still want to buy real estate and sell real estate. People still need a place to live. So they're either finding creative ways to own homes because they don't want to spend money on rent or they're renting. So a lot of my investor buddies, myself included, when the market went down and everybody was running for the hill saying real estate's bad, real estate's real estate's bad, real estate's bad, we were buying properties at the bottom, 10, 15, 20 cents on the dollar right off the banks. But again, people still needed a place to live. So maybe you couldn't flip properties in the traditional way to people that were buying it because there wasn't as many people that were qualifying in a down market that were losing their jobs and had credit issues and down payment issues because of all these crazy adjustable rate mortgages and defaulted HELOCs and over leverages and all the, the nonsense that happened after that 2005, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 mess. But they come back and they rent. So if they, they still need a place to live, they still have to go somewhere. Maybe they have to downsize. Maybe they're upgrading. Maybe they're moving for work. Maybe they, whatever it is. So rentals tend to carry a lot of people through, especially on those middle-class properties, class multifamily stuff. The cash flow was there and the rents, while the values were going down, maybe you didn't have a lot of equity in your house or you couldn't get a high appraisal, but the value of the rent went up. So you actually made more money in a down market on the cash flow if you bought it at the right price point at a lower price point and a down market when rent's actually higher because it's supply and demand. It's more of a premium. So that's one of the things that are starting to come back around now. So I love the idea, like he said, uh, Pace had mentioned, it's like a contractor going into a house with nothing but a hammer and saying, well, build me a house. I can't, I only have one tool. 
That's what a lot of investors did and a lot of investors do. Oh, I, I fix and flip it, that's all I do. Multifamily syndication, that's all I do. Value add, that's all I do. But now when you're looking at this and you're saying, hey, you know what? There's multiple things we can do here. Let me look at the, the, the property. Let me look at the situation. Let's do a case by case assessment of what are four or five or six different possible ways that we could take this property down and make profit on it. And when you're doing that, that's gonna drastically increase the chances of you being able to make a deal happen and monetize every lead. And that's a lot of the things that I'm learning to change as well too. Even if it becomes something that somebody has equity in it and you're on the phone with them and they just want to sell and you, you have a real estate license, you can refer it to another realtor and just make a referral fee on that or just give them a listing, take it down as a listing and make some money on that. But learning to monetize every lead I think is awesome because again, you are paying for that lead. So if you've already paid for that lead, Wherever it is, your direct mail that you paid for it, your your radio advertising, your cold calling, your pay-per-click, your Google AdWords, your Facebook, more, whatever it is, paid for, you have the lead, find the way to monetize that lead. So what I'm starting to see is, especially in these markets now that we're looking at, like Pace was talking about, where I'm looking at some neighborhoods here that are good markets with good school districts, and it's actually cheaper to buy than it is to rent. And yes, interest rates are low now, but a lot of the lenders are looking for full doc. They want to see the 2019 tax returns. They want to see money in the account for the last four or five, six months consistently showing that your income wasn't affected by COVID. So they're making it harder to get loans. So people are going, you know what? I still want to move. I still want to buy a house. My CPA is backed up for months and months and months because of all the PPP loans that came through and people going for that. So my 29 tax returns, I got an extension. They're not even done. There's all kinds of things that happen like that, but people are qualified. They can put down, they can afford a monthly payment. They just can't get a freaking conventional loan right now, which is where this comes in. So I think it's such a brilliant strategy because it's a way that you can get a lot of people that can afford properties that are good, solid buyers into houses. So I saw that Pace was talking about this again, that he goes out there and he finds a lot of people that write to him on a weekly basis of, hey, I want to move. I'm looking for subject to a seller financing deals. And I think as the PPP loans start to run out and people are now going, I'm two, three, four, five months behind. I can't dig myself out of this hole. I do have some equity or maybe I don't have a lot of equity, but I can't afford to cut a check to move out of this house, what do I do? This is where we're gonna be able to come in and use creative financing and subject to strategies to come in and make those offers on there. So I've done this before when the market was first changing. I did a few of these, some lease option type deals, some creative financing type deals. That was a lot more popular and I didn't really need to be that creative. So I'm back to starting to do these again. Now I have done them on the commercial side. On the commercial side, creative financing and seller financing Summable loans, these are our normal things in there. Again, it's just a matter of having those conversations with the seller and figuring out how to structure the deal properly. So for instance, if I'm talking to a commercial, a commercial uh, seller, the, the guys that we bought a building from, it was his wife and him and they had moved out to California and they were living off of the rent that they were making off of this multi-unit. So the person that was managing, and as you've probably heard a million times, one of the biggest reasons that property owners on the multifamily side become distressed is because of bad management or self-management that wound up being too much or bad or not taking care of it. So constantly having that management company not fix things the right way, it caused a lot of 
unfixed deferred maintenance on the property and eventually the roofs collapsed and it needed all this work. And then the owner said, you know what? I don't want to go put the work into fixing up this property. Yeah, I could sell it. Yeah, I could fix it up and do evaluate, ed, but I don't have the time. I don't want to put the money in. I want to stay in California. I don't want to deal with insurance and contractors and property managers and evictions and all these things. So we come in and we solve that problem. That's exactly what we start to do there. So we go to them and we say, this building is not in a condition that you can get a conventional loan on it. But I want to take this time and put the money and the energy into building up to a place that maybe in three to five years, I can now bring this building that's now a stabilized asset. It's fixed up. It can show the income. It can show consistent stability. And I can bring that to a bank. And now they can refinance me. I can pull some cash out. I can do a rate and term. Or I can sell it to another buyer who is able to get a loan on it because now it is not a distressed asset. It's a stabilized asset. It's a lendable asset. You can get a conventional loan on it. So that's what we're starting to do. So the seller agrees to be the bank. And he goes, you know what? I, maybe I have a mortgage on it already, but we can do what's called a wrap. And now I can put a second mortgage on it around that one. And we can just work with a loan servicing company or something along those lines. And maybe my payments are 600 a month. So you pay me 700 a month and I get some cash flow every month. And you now fix up this property. And I'm in a first lien position because, or second lien position if he's got a wrap first lien position if it's seller financing. And now we can come in and I only have to put 10% down, maybe less depending on that. And the seller holds the rest of the paper. So you don't have to qualify for the loan. The loan's already in place. And in my case, it said right there on his original loan document that it was an assumable loan. Because some people worry about what's called the due on sale clause, meaning they can say, hey, this transferred. Now the bank wants you to pay all of this money today. We've accelerated the mortgage. It's all due right now. So pay us $1 million or whatever it was we were buying it for. I've never seen that happen. I don't think it's a smart move on the banks, but I have heard it's happened. I just don't know anybody it's personally happened to. It's never happened to me. But either way, there's ways around that. There's ways you have to structure it. But this is why when you're doing things like this, you do want to use mentors. You do want to get help. You do want to contact legal uh, attorneys and people that are, are experts in this to get legal counsel and advice because it can't get sticky and you have to structure it the right way and have the right paperwork and the right documentation. So, moving right along with that get maybe I borrow it from a private lender and they give me the 10% and I put it down and now I don't have to qualify for a mortgage. The mortgage is already in place. It's assumable. He does a wrap on it. So he's basically the bank. It's, it's subject to the existing financing in place. I'm just making the payments or like he said, he's doing a wrap and he's creating another mortgage around that. But I could have done like what Pace is saying and just said, hey, I'm just going to take that over and assume those payments. I don't have to do that twice. So I give him the 10% down, fix up the property. Worst case scenario, if I have to give it back to him, it's a great deal for him. So if I stop paying him and I fixed up half this building and now it's cash flowing and he takes it back, it's in better condition than it was when he sold. He already got the 10% down. He could turn around and he could resell it again. So commercial, very common in there. So the residential side, it's looking for something very similar. So again, I like the fact that he's putting things out there and saying, look, we can monetize every lead. So if you're going there and you're saying, hey, I want to buy this wholesale. And people are going, ah, oh, you know, I don't want to sell it to you wholesale. And then you have to talk with them. Hey, look, it's been sitting on the market. It needs some work. What it's gonna, what's it gonna take to get to the value that you think it is, or to sell it on the open market? Look at the comps, and you give them the facts, and then they finally open up and they say, you know what? I would love to sell it to you at that discount, but I have another loan on it, or I have to pay so and so on it, all into it for X, Y, and Z, or I have a HELOC or whatever it is, and or I don't have any equity, and now, I, if I sell it to you at that price, I'll be losing money, or I'll have to cut a check, and then. Like Pace was saying, now you can come with some creative strategies. Okay. And I, I just had this conversation. I went to look at a house that I was going to potentially maybe buy for myself to live in. 
fix it up while I'm in there and then just get out or buy as a rental because there was a way I could turn it from a single family into a duplex. There was already tenants in there. So I met with the seller and I just asked him, I said, hey, are you interested in doing any type of creative financing? I can get a hard money loan on this, but you know, if you're interested in holding some paper, I can give you closer to asking price. So he said, no, he wasn't. So I made him an offer. I told him, hey, I'll offer you 130. He said, the bottom line I have on this property is 180. Now I'm going to go back and I can give you your 180, but here's what I'm going to need. You keep the financing in place. And so it's going to depend. Will they always do that? No. So what does this guy need that money for? He wants to move away. He wants to retire. I think he actually might own it free and clear, but he needs that money to go live the rest of his life with. He's an older gentleman. He's married. So he's not interested in more payments. He's making payments on the house. He's making cash flow on the house. He wants the chunk of money. So that's what's important to him. Some guys don't care, especially if you're buying it from somebody who was already a landlord. They're used to that type of thing on the commercial side, getting cash flow. They, they like that. So, and sometimes it helps with the tax benefits on there. They might not get hit with all the capital gains taxes because they're not claiming it as a sale right off the bat and saying that they made four or five, six hundred thousand dollars. It's income as it goes along. So there's ways you can do this for a short amount of time. Maybe they put a balloon on it for three, four, five years, like the commercial deal I did. It was a five-year balloon, meaning I had five years to take that property over and leave that mortgage in place, fix it up, stabilize it, and then sell it or refinance it out. I also put an extension on there for another three years. So one of the things that Pace was talking about was when you're taking it over on central side, you want the long-term cash flow. So if you're taking over this property and let's say they have a mortgage of you know, two and a half, three and a half, four and a half percent, and you could just leave that in place for the next 10, 15, 20 years, have it pay itself off. You're cash flowing on it. You're in a really good spot. That's a great way to be able to bring cash flow because people also worry about having too many loans in their name, too much debt on, on their books. So if they do go for a conventional loan and the bank says, you can only have 10 loans in your name, then that matters anymore. So it's irrelevant. So I'll give you a, a real life example of, of how we're starting to work with this and what we're doing. But again, it's just another option of, hey, you know, I can pay you more. And that's really where negotiations come in. It's, it's price and terms. That's what it comes down to. Okay, here's, I can do better on the price and give you cash and move quicker if you could take a lower price. You can't make a lower price for whatever reason, great. I'll give you a higher price, but now I need flexible terms. There has to be some sort of give and take here. So the terms are exactly that. Now, so this deal that I did that I was telling Pace that I used his lines on, he gave some stories explaining what terms are. And he said, you know, when you're talking to a seller, they're not as educated on the real estate side and the terms and the, and the, the terminology and things that we use there. So you have to explain it to them sometimes in a very elementary, basic way so they can understand it. You don't want to confuse them. You really want them to understand what you're saying. It helps them trust you. It doesn't sound like they're getting wheeled and deal. So I talked to this lady called her. She hit me up. It was an inbound lead meeting. I put marketing out saying, Hey, if you're looking to sell your house, contact me. She contacted me, said, I need to sell my house. Let's talk. So I started going over it. I said, okay, what's the story here? I looked the property up. I saw that she owes about a hundred thousand. Then I saw that it's worth about 140,000. So I talked to her a little bit. I was like, you know what's going on? So she started going back and forth. And now I'm, I'm looking at it saying, you know what? Rents in this area are about $1,400 a month. It's pretty good. So I asked her to send me some property so I could see the condition. I looked at the condition. It's in good condition. So I asked her, okay, look, what do you owe? She said about a hundred thousand. Okay. Are you, what, what type of money are you looking for here? What do you think it's worth? 
well, what's your bottom line for what you would take? Because I, I want her to give me some sort of number of what she thinks. Does she want 200 grand? Because it's never going to happen. It's completely unrealistic. Does she want 50 grand? I don't want to shoot myself in the foot by saying 110 or whatever it is. So I let her talk and she basically just blurts out, I'll take whatever I need to take, but I have to clear $10,000. Now that to me on a deal like that, that might not have a ton of equity is perfect for a subject too. So I started asking some other people that I'm in groups with, hey, you know, I think it's this, but what do you guys think it is? So as we looked at it, I called her back and I said, okay, you know, send me a, a mortgage statement. Let me see what your balance is so I can confirm it. Let me see what your payments are for your principal, your interest, your taxes, your insurance, and for the HOA fees that are there. So altogether, it was about a $600 a month payment, a little bit less, but right around there. So I also saw that she was about two or three months behind on her payments. So short sale option, but maybe not because now the short sale, there's a lot of documentation involved. You're not guaranteed to get it. it things up for credit a lot. There's things in there. So the easy path of least resistance would be if she agreed to go with terms. So I asked her, I said, hey, do you know what the term terms means as far as real estate goes? She said, no. So I literally used Pace's story that about the F-150 that if you guys follow him or listen to him on any podcast, he talks about selling a car on what's called terms and he got a higher price for it. So I gave her that analogy. I said, hey, I got this friend, wanted to sell his truck, couldn't get the price he wanted, put another ad up, said, hey, I'll take payments for it. They got what they wanted. They just got it in a different way. This is what I'd like to do with your house. So you keep it in your name. I will legally document everything. We will have a system of, of checks and balances here. We'll make sure all the T's are crossed, all the I's. So it's not just me saying it, but I'll give you things that can make you feel comfortable, you can look them over and you can see that this is all done the right way. We'll use a loan servicing company. You can check in anytime you want to make sure that things are paid. I'll give you the performance clause saying that if I don't pay you by the 31st, the loan servicer just gives it right back to you. It's not going to happen. And will you keep the loan in your name and I take over the title, I take over the deed and I make the payments for it. And, she's, and I'll give you the $10,000 to allow me to do that. And she said, yep, as long as I get that $10,000, I'm good the thing I needed to look at is she wants to stay there. So I have to figure out how to get around that. But her reasoning was she needed that $10,000 for something very specific. And there was a very specific date attached to it that she needs it in the next 30 days. So if I run my numbers and rental income there is around $1,400 a month and I can give her $10,000, take over a two bedroom condo, uh, that is a two bedroom house, whatever it is, that, that is a, about $140,000, $145,000 value. And I pick it up for a hundred. I give her 10. I have instant equity in it. The payments are $600. I don't need to sign any documents, pay any closing. I don't have to do any loan stuff in there. And I'm making cash flow because the rent is $1,400 a month. So if the payments are $600 and the rent is $1,400, for 10 grand, I'm getting instant equity and I'm getting a lot of cash flow right off the bat. To me, that's worth it all day long. And now I can sit back, it's in good condition, it doesn't need any work, and I can have that mortgage start to get paid down and paid down and paid down, and I can build equity, have the depreciation, uh, like I said, the appreciation in there. It's, to me, great numbers for a subject to existing financing deal. The only uh, you know, potential obstacle in there is she wants to stay and she wants to eventually buy it back. So she said, and buy me out of this in 30 days, I'll buy it back from you for $140,000 cash. Cool. So I'm going to try and structure this now that, Hey, maybe we do a buy it now price that you have 90 days to buy it back from you for $140,000.
after that, I'm just going to hold it long term and then it's back down the market and I get to do whatever I want with it. So it's been a pretty cool thing, but those are out there. And now he's making me think about some of these other ones that I can go back to and maybe I can't make money on them on the wholesale side because the person won't come down in their price. But again, I can look back and say, hey, there's not a ton of equity there. But as far as terms go, I like what he was saying because one of the things we didn't dig too deep into is the amortization. So if I start pulling lists and, and pulling data, looking for people that have owned their house for more than 10 years, traditionally, you're looking at the first 10 years, most of these people are paying all the interest on their loans. So the principal is really not getting paid down that much. Then it starts to have a little bit of a hybrid the second. And then the third part of that, it's almost all. So I let that first 10 years go by. The owner has paid off most of the interest only payments for the first 10 years. So they paid most of that interest off and now I'm taking it over and more of my payments are going towns knocking down their principal and building up my equity faster. So it's a really awesome strategy that literally I was like, oh, I'll just give it a shot, pick up the phone and it worked. You know, and again, it's worked on the commercial side. So I don't know why I wasn't trying it sooner on the residential side, but working the numbers, you know, some of these things from growing up in New York, I look at it and I go, yeah, but you can't make money doing this. And why would you do that there? It's not the case in some of these other markets, you know, again, somebody paid top dollar for that. It's literally cheaper to buy that, uh, the two bedroom, two bath that I'm buying than it is to rent it. But she's in a position that she's already months back. She needs the money now. It's a distressed seller. It's not a distressed property. It's a distressed seller. And if there's no pain and if there's no distress, there's probably no deal. But when people are looking to get creative, because there's some sort of pain there, there's some sort of motivation there, a motivated seller or a motivated property, a distressed seller or distressed property means they're open to creative things. So we can get some sort of motivation to have a discount on price or some sort of motivation to get creative financing on terms. So this was all really cool. I'm excited about it. I will give some updates on some of the ones I'm doing here, but I'm going to go back and start digging it a little bit deeper. I'm going to follow closer with Pace Morgan. Sorry, I keep messing up his name. Um, I got some other people that are also giving me advice on that. Tiffany, hi, is great on subject two stuff. Luke Shelton's in the group with us as well. So I have some good people around me that I can follow on that. Tiffany's got a course as well on subject two. It's a great course. Um, great people. It's just a great strategy and there, there's enough information out there for you to get started in there and put another tool in your tool belt. Cause again, like I keep saying, you want to get in real estate and you want to stay in real estate. So if you want to stay in real estate long-term, you will have more tools in your tool belt to invest in many different ways. And as the market moves, you move. And as different strategies come into play, you want to have an arsenal of ways you can look at the deal and see if there's multiple ways you can pull money out, monetize that deal, make money, win-win for everybody. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope this was helpful. I think it's awesome stuff. Please connect with me, Instagram, Facebook, podcast at nicknicknick.com. Let's do some deals. Let's make some money. Podcast at nicknicknick.com. Email me anything that you guys want me to keep talking about. And I uh, love the shirt. Enzo Gracie, Matt Sarah Jiu-Jitsu. Anybody watching should go train Jiu-Jitsu wherever you are. BJJ Lab Naperville. Um, good people on uh, Pablo Castro. Thank you very much for uh, sharing the, the podcast with Rob Loth. He is an absolute stud. I told the story about how strong he is. Absolutely true. That guy kicked my butt very easily. A very accomplished grappler. Great energy. Great people. Great school. Anybody in the Cleveland area, strong style MMA is one of my favorite places to train when I'm on the road. They treated me like family. They gave me really cool gear. Pablo was an absolute stud. Did great privates. Good energy. Home of the champs, Deepa Miacic. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Ever wanted to play the drums? 
Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson.